We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. I've got a lot to prove. Um, you know, because again, I, I really do think we, we've put ourselves in a really good position. I think we're a good young football team uh, with some key veterans and key positions, and 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 now is the opportunity to go. And and yeah, I, I do feel that I do want to prove some stuff. That was Ron Rivera yesterday in his pre-training camp press conference, which was. I don't know, 25 minutes or so of him uh, answering a lot of questions about new ownership. And right there, him telling everybody uh, he's got a lot to prove. Um, He does have a lot to prove. Guess who's with me and guess who's back? (laughs) Tommy is back from the Hemingway lookalike contest. You were sending me a lot of stuff. I, I I, I watched some of it, but... I don't know, it just looked like looked like a lot of people down there, and I couldn't tell one Hemingway lookalike from another. You guys all looked like you were 97 years old uh, and, and as trimmed up as you could be for the occasion. Was it fun? It was fun. It was fun. It was, it was like Africa hot, though. Well, okay. yeah. This is Key West. <laughs> Under normal conditions, but in the middle of this heat wave, I don't know if you read the story, but the but the water temperature in Florida just went over a hundred degrees. Okay, it's going to be so, near a hundred tomorrow here. Yeah, so yeah. it was it was pretty hot, but it was it was a lot of fun. Disappointing a little bit, but fun. Um, so tell me, just do me a favor because. We've got a lot to get to today, and I do want to hear about this. But just cut to the chase on where you finished in this thing and how you did. I mean, I don't even know how it was judged, um, but just tell everybody. Try to try to do your best as you did with your column last week. Glad you wrote one. Um, try to just summarize uh, the final standings of the Ernest Hemingway lookalike contest in Key West. There were about 180 contestants. Wow. Okay. And they divided it up into two nights of presentations. And from those two nights, they would pick finalists to compete in the third night. Okay. Uh, I was in the second night, uh, the second group of, of contestants. 
So wait a minute. It, uh, so it got knocked down from 180 I, to what? No, I, I don't know what the final group was, like 20 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not in that group. I did not... I didn't have any illusions about winning this thing. I know, but I what group did you make it into? 180 to what? I didn't did they make cut it, it in into half? any group. I just, I oh. just made it into the the first. Like, so the I was just one. an entry. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. So what did you so, do? So, uh, well, you had 30 seconds to speak and give a presentation. It's it, you're on a stage at Sloppy Joe's. The place is packed. People hanging on the rafters. And the judges are called Papas, which was Hemingway's nickname, Papa. And they are all former winners of this contest. And they sit right in the front of the stage with a pen and a piece of paper, looking very intently, taking notes at your presentation. Okay? So uh, you have 30 seconds. And I had no illusions of winning this thing because I had determined that uh, they they probably take care of people who have been there before, okay? And that's exactly what happened. The guy who won had been at this contest 11 times, okay, and hadn't won. So they, they rewarded him. And I have no problem with that, you know? I mean, they, they've created a nice little event down there that's generated a lot of publicity. So they, they kind of take care of their own, and that's cool. But I, I was like Rocky. I didn't want to win the fight. I just wanted to go to distance but, with Creed. But you didn't go I to distance. I wanted to be a finalist. You didn't go to I distance. It, you got knocked out early. Yes. I got knocked out what? early, which is, look, this is the sour grapes part, but it was purely legitimate. Mm-hmm. Okay? I told my story about meeting and interviewing First of all, I told him I was a writer, you know, for, for like for, for the past forty six years. Did you tell him about all your kind of did you stuff. tell him about all your books that are available? No, th- th- on Amazon? thirty seconds. Thirty seconds, you you don't have time for that stuff. So uh, I figured, you know, tell him I'm a writer like Hemingway and I told a story about how I met and interviewed Gregorio Fuentes. He was hundred and one years old. He was the old man. Yeah. In the old, old man, man in the, in the sea. sea. Yeah. Now, let me explain. This is the most important figure in the history of all of Hemingway's work. There's nobody more important in anything he's ever written than the old man. And I'm two degrees of separation now from Ernest Hemingway. I interviewed the old man who was Ernest Hemingway's shipmate and close friend. Okay? I might as well have told him a story about Pee Wee Herman. It meant <laughs> nothing. <laughs> it went just it went right went over nothing. their heads. Oh, it just it, yeah, and, and you know, in the crowd, you could hear the crowd kind of get quiet. Uh, there were a couple of oohs and ahs. Uh, my wife heard one guy say, "Hey, wow, this guy really has a story," you know. But the judges, pff, nothing, you know. So. Uh, so I was disappointed that my story, which unless you had somebody in that group that actually met Hemingway, <laughs> nobody was going to top. Right. You were two degrees. You were at two yes. degrees from Hemingway. Um, that's, and, and well, it I just, win, but it, that was, was that was the whole fun. 30 seconds? 
just talking about that interview? That was it. Okay. That was it. Yeah. That was it. It goes quick. You're on stage. You're holding a microphone. I mean, I projected well. You didn't, I spoke slowly. You didn't burp, so you didn't burp or me. anything, did you? No. No. But <laughs> I tell you what, that had been better. I think I think I might have had a better chance if I burped and danced and told and sung a song. I was going to say, I mean, maybe you should have ta- instead of a, a thirty-second pitch on the old man. Maybe you should have sung that pitch instead instead of spoken it. Karaoke. There were style. guys who did that. Oh god. There there were guys who did Nobody that. Nobody would have done it as and well look, as you. It was it was a great event. Uh, you know, uh, on the final day, Saturday. They had the running of the bulls, which I sent you some stuff about that. Uh, where basically you're you're dressed in all white, and you wear like the red beret and uh, a red bandana around your neck. And uh, they have about four or five of these wooden plaster bulls on wheels that they push through the streets of Key West. And you follow them, and you chant Spanish chants and stuff like that. And it's like 98 degrees. <laughs> this happens like at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. That sounds like a blast. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. That really? was fun. So overall, I had a great time. Yeah. And the best part, of course, which you know appeals to me the most, the last day we're there on Sunday, we're waiting to catch our bus, and this guy walks up to me and says, Are you Tom Lavero? And I said, Yes. I said, I, I was, It would have been better if he said, Are you Ernest Hemingway? But uh, are you Tom Lavero? There were two guys from Northern Virginia uh, who were big fans, big fans of the podcast, were big fans of the show when we were on the radio. And uh, I met these two guys from Northern Virginia who recognized me in Key West. <laughs> well, it's too bad they didn't recognize you in the crowd during your 30 seconds. You, they could have chanted, yes. Tommy, Tommy. Yeah. And, you know, maybe and maybe let the whole room know there isn't anybody with more Twitter followers than this guy right here. <laughs> you may want to give you it know, to that's him. What I, that's what I should have done, too. That's what my wife said. <laughs> I should have got up there and tell him, look, you put, you put me in the finals – I will tweet. I, I have thirty thousand social media followers <laughs> across all platforms. Right. I should have done that. Yeah, you know. I mean, but, but look, I went. I went full bore with my story. I even. Sh- I even brought a picture up, a blown up picture of me with the old man, so I wasn't lying, so giving him proof. You know, uh, and uh, it just wasn't enough. Uh, a lot of guys keep going to this thing. They well, come it sounds back like for it, this thing. It, it sounds like the fix was in. You've got eleven years, uh, you know, as long you've got eleven years f- before you win it. You keep going back, and let's I'm just not going back. Well, let's just hope it that the it, sun doesn't set um, uh, <laughs> instead of rise <laughs> before the eleventh year. Uh, no, it sounds like fun. Uh, did you were the did you meet anybody you know that was there doing the same thing that you? Uh, we're doing that. A, uh, you knew, or B, you're like, all right, this guy's kind of normal because I, I got to think a lot of these guys are a little bit off their rocker going down there to do this. Well, I met I met a few guys. It was kind of a closed group mm-hmm. in a way. Like they all know each other. Oh, you know, there were a lot were of the newbies outsider. though. Yeah, there were actually uh, there were quite a lot of rookies. So I met a couple of them. But did I make any lifelong friendships? Mm-hmm. No. Did they haze the I rookies? I mean, did you get hazed at all? No. Okay. There was no hazing of the rookies. Do so you have to get there, carry there everybody's was... equipment up there to the stage? No, not, nothing like that. 
Uh, and, you know, Key West is, has got a vibe still. I mean, even, even to this day, Key West just has a vibe that, you know, it's kind of like a New Orleans vibe. Yeah. New Orleans at the beach. Yeah. You know, that kind of place. And that was, that was very enjoyable. So overall, I'm glad I did it. I'm going to write about it. Uh, and, uh, but I'm not going back. So from afar, uh, did you follow what was going on back here in Minneapolis and then back here um, on Thursday and Friday of last week? That was remarkable to watch. The party, the party down at the bullpen, the reaction to the Wicked Witch, you know, with the house falling on the Wicked Witch, uh, it was amazing. It was amazing, and all I could think of was people who were close to Dan Snyder, what must they think? I mean, the whole city, the city was celebrating his departure, him leaving. You know, I, again, I mean, they love Josh Harris. He bought them all beers, which, which, which is my move when I walk into a dive bar where, I don't, where uh, people don't know me. You buy everybody a beer, and then everybody loves you. So that was a smart move to do. But again, to bring up Pee Wee again, it could have been Pee Wee Herman, as long as it wasn't Dan Snyder. Right. So it was it was a remarkable thing to watch the celebration that took place. Well, I was at the bullpen. I don't. I forget if we texted back and forth or, or talked last week. It was, and I and I came in here on Friday and and talked about how. It felt different for me than I thought it would feel. You know, I had pitched this idea that it was going to be very anticlimactic when we got to it because there were already seemed to have been, you know, multiple days of celebration of the news. Yes. Um, but it wasn't. It was really, it was a, now again, the setting of being down at the bullpen. And Tommy, look, you and I have done so many of these events together over the years or individually over the years. And in recent years, you know, it's and I, I'm really referring more to just before the pandemic. It, it really was almost the same group of people. Um, you know, the real last stragglers of of this fan base that were hanging on and still believed and didn't want to acknowledge that they're you know that that you had to suspend reality to talk about the team. It was um, right. it. I, First of all, you know, and I, I mentioned this on Friday, you would have loved it. I mean, we had so many of our listeners down there to the podcast, to the radio show. But I will tell you that I would bet that 70% of the people that came up to me um, and many of whom, you know, we've known over the years and a lot of people that we've talked to but have never met and a lot of people that we've never talked to and had never met, I would say 70% of them were podcast listeners. And I can't tell you how many people said to me, where's Tommy? And I said, you know where he is. And they're like, oh, that's right. He's down in Florida for that whatchamacallit guys lookalike contest. Um, uh, and so it was, um, it was really, it was really kind of fun to be a part of. Um, I, look, I, I, I mentioned that 
there is this, you know, scar on this fan base. We've been damaged. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And and I and I yeah. talked about how there's there is going to be a, a point in which I'm going to have to remind you for sure. You may even have to remind me, but I'm definitely going to have to remind you that Snyder's actually gone because we'll yeah. meet. The default is going to be there. They go again, um, or yeah. you know. And and by the way, until. You know, Harris has an opportunity to get the group of people that he wants in the organization running the organization. And because of the time, you know, table on the acquisition, you know, right before the season's starting, et cetera, it's not, he can't go in and just clean house day one. Um, there may be some more uh, fuck ups, um, but I, I hope there aren't. But um, it's, um, it's going to take some time, but man, it really, really felt like a new day. What had felt so wrong for so long, all of a sudden felt right again. And I don't know how that will that will manifest itself in the form of fans at games, television ratings, you know, merchandise. Uh, I mean, are we going to start walking around town and seeing more people? you know, that are fans of, of the hometown team rather than the Ravens or, or somebody else. Um, I don't know, but it really felt like um, it was the beginning of something new. And like we have said, it, it can't be worse, and it's not going to be worse. Uh, the press conference was really impressive, and I actually want your thoughts on it. I don't know if you watched it or read about it, um, but – you know, just because they acquired this team doesn't mean that they're going to start winning Super Bowls or will win Super Bowls, but it does mean that we've got a chance now. Like, this fan base has a chance to win because more likely than not, it will be a normal franchise for the first time in a long time. Did you um, have a chance to watch Harris and Rails and Magic in the press conference on Friday? I watched some of it. Uh, bits and pieces of it. I mean, I, I didn't expect them to fumble it. Uh, I mean, I think, I think Josh Harris and Magic, I didn't, I've, ne- I've never seen Mitchell Rails in public. I've seen Josh Harris and, and Magic thousands of times in public, and they were as, as impressive as I thought they would be. Uh, you know, it was, it was really, it was great to watch. Uh, and, this is one of the things I pointed out in the column that you shamed me to write, okay? <laughs> Mate, well, hold on. Let, a lot, let, of, people, a lot, of, a lot I, of people notice that. Everybody doesn't know what you're talking about, so be, be clear on this. Last week, I, I, I did lecture you a little bit about you know, not being around and not writing on one of the real important days in the history of this town. Um, and you said that you would earn the right to be able to take that kind of a day off, but you changed your mind, didn't you? You were right. You you were right. Uh, and I wrote a column, and one of the things in the column I pointed out that there's going to be disappointments. Okay, uh, I mean, there's going to be they're going to make mistakes. They're going to screw things up from time to time, and there's going to be disappointments. The most the the biggest will probably be. The fact that they're probably going to be at FedEx Field for a long time, I said. But but even with the disappointments, and this was kind of the point of the column. Don't and I know a lot of people disagree with this. Don't just let the memory of Dan Snyder fade, okay? Because his absence 
is what makes this so attractive. Like when when this t- when these guys screw up, you need to fall back to well, at least they're not that guy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I. Yes. No. You know. First of all, it's impossible. Dan Snyder is never going to fade away. This is, you know, this is a period of time in which, you know, the, I mean, you had essentially a a country crumble due to a terrible king. Um, and so history is always interesting to see how, you know, governments and, and countries were toppled, um, you know, and, 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 and the people that were behind that. Look, I, I talked to Dan Steinberg on the podcast yesterday. I had Dan on, and he had actually written for the first time in several years and actually wrote a great column in the Post last week. And I said, well, there's going to be a book about Snyder, right? There's, there's certainly going to be a documentary. And he's like, yeah, but it's just going to be, you know, all hate. And I said, it doesn't matter. It's going to be so interesting. Like, it, I think what happened here over the last 24 years, even though we were kind of here documenting it day by day, we still don't know a lot of what happened. We, we know a lot and we've heard a lot and there have been a lot of stories Tom Friend was on with me two days ago. Um, you know, he covered the team in the late 80s uh, into the yeah, early 90s. And, you know, we started to get into some of the stories. And he's, and he's like, you know, I'm not even comfortable in telling some of the stories we've heard over the years. And I have felt the same way. And, and from my standpoint, I don't know how you have felt. But when you hear something secondhand that's pretty awful, you got to be careful about talking about something like that on the air. But we've all heard some of these really, you know, horrible stories. And from my standpoint, I can only speak for myself. They were much more bullying stories, you know, Napoleonic complex, you know, insecurity stories on Dan versus what came out three years ago, which was the toxic workplace for women. Um, Those were much more, from my standpoint, the stuff we heard over the years. Uh, but no, I, I think, um, look, I mean, y- you learn from history so you don't uh, repeat yes. it. Uh, but yes. I, but, uh, I, th- uh, but uh, I think it'll be interesting when we, we do find out a lot of that stuff down the road. In the, in the meantime, like I've said about the name issue, people, you can do more than one thing at the same time. You can remember Dan. You can be interested in the Dan story when it comes out and also be rooting for the left tackle to protect the quarterback. Uh, yes. And and his yes, blind side. Can. I mean, we can do more than one thing at once. But anyway, uh, I yeah, was impressed you, you with. Can. You're you're, yeah. you're right. Time is not going to make the Dan Snyder era look better. It's only going to look worse as more and more stuff gets revealed. Whether it's a documentary, books, th- things like that. Uh, and that's why. And I'm not saying that you know, we don't need to harp on it anymore. But don't don't just don't just say I don't want to hear about it. Uh, I want to forget about it because that's part of the pleasure that's going on right now, that you don't have to experience it anymore. Yeah, well, you'll have so, the, the same people that were telling you to shut up about Wentz and telling me to shut up about the name will also say, I'm tired of hearing about Snyder, and yet it will be 5% of what we actually talk about, but we'll be passionate when we're talking about it, and there will be a small sliver of people that will get upset about it, but I'm not worried about them. Um, you know, what's really picked up steam, as I'm sure you've seen here, 
uh, since uh, Snyder left and the Harris group came in. You know, Magic did the Today Show hit. Harris said it's really about what the city wants. He said that again with Adam Schefter yesterday. I talked about some of the things he said in an Albert Breer one-on-one. He did a one-on-one with Schefter last week for Schefter's podcast. And he said as, as it relates to the name, you know, it's, what a, it, it's, it's about what the city wants. And Schefter immediately interjected, the city hates the name. City doesn't want the name. Um, but, you know, he also emphasized the fact that we're going to focus on the priorities that are priorities right now, things they can do things about, like improve the fan experience, help the football people win football games, engage in the community he keeps talking about. But I I believe that a year from now, um, you know, I don't want to put a, 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 I don't want to put a date on it, but I believe that the name will change. I do too. I think it will too. Uh, I mean, there's, there's this. I mean, the name. It's part of the connection to the dirty, stinking, lousy past. Now, it's, it's. I mean, it's one thing. It's not that good. They did a terrible job in in, in marketing it and promoting it. And there's just too much damage to, to that name right now. You can't go on with it. Did you see the Snyder's statement on Friday? Did you see that? Yeah. How, how embarrassing yeah. is that? I mean... I got a question for you. Yeah. How long do you think it'll be before Tanya says, okay, I, I'll take the half of my $6 billion uh, and, go ho- and go home? I don't know, Tommy. I have no idea. I don't know anything about them personally. I... I I mean I've heard people discuss that like how long before she's out I for I don't know if they have a good marriage or bad marriage it's none of my business I do know this and I've said this many times over the years every single person that I know and it would be at least a half dozen to 10 people who have had dealings with his teachers coaches um or family you know friends if you want to even call them that with the kids say the kids are great that they that so something went right in that family dynamic if everybody speaks so highly of the kids um i don't want to get into that but are you asking me what i wager on it or what i or what are the odds on it i have no idea i have no idea they might have I mean, a great that marriage that was that was my first thought I don't think there's many marriages that could withstand uh, the notion that you are the most hated people in the most important city in the world. It's amazing. It is really, I mean, I don't think that they can ever come back here and live. And that is a terrible thing to consider because I, I do... As much as we are all happy about this and wanted this so badly and deserve this because they earned where they are with respect. I'm talking about professionally. They earned yeah. where they are professionally. Um, you know, this was not anything other than what they did and and primarily what he did for a quarter of a century. But they are, you know... They are parents, they are uh, sons and daughters, and, and I, I can't imagine being a pariah in my own hometown. Look, I have made, yeah. I, I have made this comparison and, and drawn this analogy uh, uh, to um, 
over the years saying Dan Snyder is probably the most despised Washingtonian that isn't a politician since John Wilkes Booth. And I felt, uh, you know, it was always in the in in the fit of some sort of rant or rage or or passionate, <laughs> you know, take because I would get myself, you know, as one of my emailers said recently, bent so sideways, uh, and I. Uh, and and that even was, I think, maybe a little bit over the line. Because I do think over the years we focused, and I can only speak for us, it was much more of a – it was much more about him professionally than personally. Because I've never met him before. I shouldn't say that. I've met him once or twice. I have no idea what he's like personally. I've heard stories, and they're not good ones. Um, I've not heard many good stories. I haven't heard one good story. Not one. That's not true. The way he treated some of his high-level players and took care of them, you know, and handled the Sean Taylor thing. We were talking about that's this last because, week. That's because, yeah. it's because he's a jock sniffer. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that was apparent from that's pretty right. much early on. Yeah. 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 Um, I, it, it was uh, back to Friday, though. I was really impressed with Josh Harris, and Mitchell Rails' three minutes may have been the best three minutes of the whole press conference. Just to see Magic up there representing my hometown team because I'm, like you, such a massive Magic fan, I, just, I hope he's really involved. I mean, I can imagine uh, a, a, a scenario where Magic is very influential in in the stadium in DC and with politicians and by the way yes. with tax paying citizens you know um i right now DC you know, Virginia or Maryland are you still stuck on Maryland or do, do you feel differently over the last couple of days i'm st- i still think it's going to be Maryland look i don't think it's going to be anybody for a long time yeah but I think it's 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 going to be Maryland. It's still the path of least resistance. You're right about Magic. Uh, they're going to need him to be influential in the district because right now uh, there's there's no taste for this financially, and uh, I, I just I just don't see it. I see it being very difficult. I never took Virginia seriously. I still don't take Virginia seriously, I think it's going to wind up in, in Maryland still. But uh, it won't be because of Dan Snyder anymore, at least. That's one big roadblock uh, out, out, out of the way. You know, about magic, you know what I was thinking? This town now will have had Michael Jordan as an owner and now Magic Johnson as an owner. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's pretty cool, but, they be- but, at some- but we better have something to show for it. Between two of the biggest stars in the history of the NBA, one of them was, was not very good in the front office when, when he was here. Uh, and uh, we hope, you know, hope we get better results out of Magic. The only thing Magic's failed at was a late-night TV show since his career ended. Everything else has pretty much turned to gold. And I don't know, it's, it's funny. Like um, I remember being very excited about Michael Jordan coming here. I remember being really excited when Michael Jordan decided to come back and play for um, the team yeah. then. Uh, but n- Magic has a chance to really make an impact um, as 
you know, a minority owner. I'm talking more about his stake in the team. Uh, he's also a minority as well. Um, but I, I think that I hope that I'm not underselling Magic's potential influence. If I am, it's because Magic doesn't have the time to be the influencer that he said that he wants to be. Uh, you know, um, Tom Friend, who has written and covered the NBA a lot over the years, knows Magic pretty well, and he told me um, the other day what a huge NBA, uh, what a huge NFL fan Magic has always been. Magic apparently back in the day would say, "Look, you got to clear my schedule on Sundays. I'm watching the NFL." Like he is a big, big NFL fan. And this is his first venture into the NFL. So, uh, I, you know, the other thing, Tommy, too, and I don't know if I emphasized this enough the last couple of days. And in listening to Josh Harris's uh, podcast interview with Adam Schefter, um, it was even more obvious. If you're a Sixers fan or a Devils fan, understand that the Washington football franchise is Josh Harris's top priority. That's his personal preference of anything he owns. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because, you know, uh, Snyder claimed to be this big fan too, and I don't really care if Josh Harris is a fan or not. I care that the people that are in the organization know the organization, know the history of the organization, have a feel for the fan base, and I can already tell that they understand the issues that are important to the majority of us. Um, I, um, but, but you know, a, a lot of people have made the, the, uh, the comp to, well, Snyder talked about what a big fan he was, and he was mentioning Sonny and Sam and every, you know, all of the great plays, et cetera, when, when he took control of the team. But Dan was 34 years old. And Josh is 58 in his own sports teams and does not appear, at least this is first gut, to have the ego um, that Snyder had. I mean, he is, he is not, by the way, Tommy, they never mentioned the Snyders once. Still haven't mentioned them by name. Um, there have been a couple of slights, you know, towards the past, um, but they haven't gone to that, you know, point of, uh, taking the low road on the Snyders either. They haven't done that. I actually think they've handled that part beautifully. But I, I think this organization, look, just in the last three years, with big decisions that have been made as it relates to this franchise, we didn't have anybody in the franchise that had any understanding of the franchise. The Jason Wrights and the Will Misselbrooks of the world. I mean... Like I've said, this was a hit-and-run job, and they need people in the organization, we've talked about this forever, that understand the past, don't ignore it at all. I mean, you can be focused on the future and not ignore the importance of the past to your, to your customer base. And I just I feel much better about the group that's there now. Okay. Subject to change. Let, let me kidding. Let me offer my... Uh, my uh, advice here on this okay. for the organization. And if you know somebody in the ownership group, please pass this on to them. I think it's a pretty good idea because the organization, other than, I mean, you know, Mitchell Rails knows about the history of the team. Josh Harris does. But inside the building, there's no institutional knowledge. Okay. I would suggest creating a historical advisory board. Okay. It's not a paid operation. It's a volunteer 
board appointed of people in the media, such as yourself, Len Shapiro, you know, Mike Richmond, uh, Andy Poland, maybe one, and, and a couple of ex-players, Doc, you know, Brian Mitchell, a few ex-players, to basically run some of these decisions by, not the day-by-day decisions, but the important decisions out there that are, that you know, in terms of presenting the history of this team. Now, I would suggest creating a historical advisory board since they have no institutional knowledge in the building. Well, you know this. I, you know, not in a presumptuous way, not in a pushy way at all, but in conversations certainly over the last three years, I have offered the people out there any help they need when it comes to some of these things where they don't have that institutional or historical knowledge. And if they don't want me, I can recommend two or three or four other people. Um, And what we typically got over the last three years after the mistakes were made, damn, I should have probably reached out to you before we did this thing. Um, But anyway, uh, yeah, that would be great. Now, you know, again, I think with most of the limited partners, I think a majority of them are from here and live here. That may be, that may not be true, but there was, there's a significant percentage of the ownership group that is either from here or lives here. And so there is going to be a sense, I bet that they have, that they know and have the answers. I hope they do. Um, I do think it goes beyond just living here and being a fan of the team. I think there's, yes. you know, I mean, you've written books about the team. I, I, I don't know that there are many people, um, you know, I can name a couple of them that can, you know, rip off the moments and the games and the players and the names like I can from the past and right. and have a sense and a yeah. connection, by the way, to the fan base like we have through yes. the various shows that we've done. Um, but that's wh- That's why I think... This would be uh, something, for, you know, a good suggestion for them to consider. Yeah. Now, you talked about their knowledge. I mean, I mean, let's remember Mitchell Rails started a sports talk radio station. I know, I know. In this town, I know. So obviously, he must have a, a, a strong working knowledge of the impact of this team in this community over the years. Here's one thing, though, I would suggest uh, to you in, in in thinking that I think it's very possible that like a lot of fans, some of those people have checked out. Like, it would not surprise me if, you know, Mitchell Rails, even though he was great the other day and emotional and humbled by the whole thing, um, if Snyder turned him off. Uh, Turn me off, all right? Uh, uh, You know, but I have a gig here where I have stayed (laughs) immersed in everything that's gone on with this team because of the job. I uh, look, I have friends, Tommy, that have been checked out for several years now. And when I say checked out, they can't really even identify, um, you know, the games, the players of the last four or five years, you know, they know Rivera's the coach and they know about Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett and Terry McLaurin and, and John Allen. But, um, you know, they're, they're not – they have other things to do on Sundays. You know, this team, what they do doesn't, you know, get scheduled based on a 1 o'clock or a 4 o'clock kick on Sundays during the fall anymore. And it hasn't right. for a while. Um, 
anyway, I, I want to talk about some of the things that Ron Rivera said yesterday about quarterback. Uh, we will get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This segment of the show is brought to you by the Circa Million and the Circa Survivor Pools in Vegas. Uh, I am heading out to Vegas. Uh, I am going out in early August. Uh, by the way, on my way to visit Cooley in Wyoming, uh, and I think we're going to go fishing for a day or two, which will be fun. Um, but I'm going to enter the Circa Million and the Circa Survivor Pools out in Vegas. The Circa Million has $6 million in guaranteed prizes. You pick five teams against the spread each week. Uh, the winner takes home a million dollars, but there are five million dollars more in season-long prizes. The Circus Survivor Pool is like any other Survivor Pool. You pick one team straight up, no point spread every week. You can only pick, uh, you know, the same team once per season. Once they lose, you're out. Uh, if they tie, you're out as well. Uh, but the person standing at the end will win or share in an eight million dollar first prize. Last year, two winners split a $6 million uh, first prize. Uh, $14 million in guaranteed prizes. No rakes, so if the entries go above the guarantee, all the extra money will go into the prize pool. Entries are available and open until September 9th at 2 p.m. You must register at a circus sportsbook in Nevada. Weekly, weekly picks can be made from anywhere through a proxy. Um, so, Ron Rivera held this press conference yesterday. We played one of the sound bites uh, for you coming into the show. I want to play now for you the part of the press conference where he was asked questions that led to answers regarding the quarterback. This was the first one on what the biggest question mark of the season is. Well, I think more so than anything else is 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 it's going to obviously start with the quarterback position. I mean, that's about as big a question, broad a question as it gets. Is you know, uh, has Sam grown and developed enough to, to, to help us take the next step? Uh, is Jacoby ready to go and compete? And, and if he gets that chance, will he take us up to the next level? So again, it is a big, broad question, but it does start with that position, and that that really probably is the biggest thing. Did he just leave the door open a little bit for Jacoby Brissett to be the starter, Tommy? Look, it depends. Uh, any day that ends in a Y 
this guy says a different thing about the quarterback position. Okay. So it's, it, I, look, I'm a big, I, I, like you, pay attention to what these guys say, you know, uh, and, and look for little clues in there. But he's so hard to decipher. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I've got quotes talking about, you know, he, somebody asked him about the quarterback position. He said, I think it's pretty stable, you know. Now he's saying it, it's, it's, you know, their biggest question. You know, going into camp. So, uh, I, I don't know what to think. I still think, I have, it's my long shot prediction that Jacoby Brissett will outperform Sam Howe in training camp and in preseason games to the point where they are not going to be able to ignore him as the starter for game one. A very important game. A huge game. <laughs> It is, it is a big game. They, they can't lose the opener. No, you can't lose to a team that you're expected to to beat uh, in front of these fans that are going to be so pumped up, so ready for their team to win. And it will be like a giant needle stuck in a big balloon if you can't win the opener. And so you've got to play the quarterback that gives you the best chance to do that. Not the quarterback who you think is going to be better in December. you got to win the first game. Uh, here's uh, the other Sam Howell-specific uh, quote um, from Ron Rivera uh, on what he needs to see from Sam Howell. This is what he said. You know, there are some positions that guys have to grow and mature in, uh, most notably the quarterback position. You know, with, with how Sam has worked and, and how Jacoby has worked, I think we're, we feel very comfortable with those guys. Uh, we like who they are. We like their development and growth. Um, we'll be watching that one, obviously, very closely. And, um, I, 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 uh, you know, just as, as positions mature. He also said about Sam at one point uh, during – the presser yesterday that uh, you know referenced once again his ability, Tommy, to kind of self-correct. You know that was a headline a few weeks ago or during train, you know, during minicamp and, and OTA days. Him yeah. and Eric Bieniemy, same thing. Whenever they're asked about the quarterback, the one thing they keep saying is he corrects his mistakes. Well, he must have a lot of mistakes because that's all they can talk about. <laughs> okay, so I I agree with you that. You know, uh, if you're curious about what Ron said today and you're trying to figure it out, just wait a day because it might be completely different tomorrow. Um, But here's what I think the situation is. Sam Howell right now is the starting quarterback. However, you can't tell me that as we go through training camp, and at least two preseason games where the quarterbacks will play, that if there is a massive difference between Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell, to the point where coaches and players alike are like, if we do this, it's going to be rough for a while, and there's no guarantee that it'll pay off in the end. Um, if there is a massive difference and you, you know, you added something to the equation here, which is new ownership, he's got a lot to prove an opener where if you lose that, you're staring Owen four in the face and probably your job at that point. 
um, or certainly that would be the conversation in town. Uh, I think anybody that believes that the chances are 0% that Jacoby Brissett starts the opener, I think you're way, way off on that and very, very naive. Um, Again, I think as long as Sam goes out and remains – some in the mix with Jacoby Brissett. Maybe Brissett, you know, has more of an authoritative feel to him because he's been in an NFL huddle and he's more talkative and more demonstrative and, you know, and, and maybe even picks up the offense a little bit faster. But man, Sam, there are just flashes like big time gun. Look him get look at him get away from that pressure. As long as he's in the race. You know, and he doesn't fall far behind. I think he's going to start the opener and he's going to be given a chance. But I don't think that the chances are zero that Jacoby Brissett outshines him by a lot and forces Rivera and Bianami's hand. So I, I, it, it's a, to me, this is this is a, a thing that's going to unfold over the next month. I, I favor Sam Howell starting the opener by a lot. Trust me. I think it's 90%, uh, maybe 80%. I'll say 80% because that's that's a pretty, you know, it's pretty confident. But I think there's a one in five chance that Sam Howell it, – it, by the way, Brissett's not going to start because Brissett's great and Sam Howell isn't. Brissett's going to start because Sam Howell isn't anywhere near ready enough and everybody realizes it. And I think that that's in play. I, I, I don't know why anybody would suggest that that's not a possibility. Although, Tommy, I, I did this, you know, uh, I did this thing on, on, on the show yesterday and I put out a Twitter question as well, kind of, you know, on a scale of, of one to 10, one being um, there's no chance that Sam Howell is the quarterback of the future. 10, you're absolutely kind of convinced that he's going to prove that he's the quarterback and he's the long-term answer. You know, many more people are positive about Sam Howell than negative. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's amazing yes, to me how, I mean, it, it seems to me in the calls I took and even in the Twitter response, and I didn't do an actual poll, but it's like 75% of the people are really sure that Sam Howell is the future. At quarterback, I, I don't know why people are so convinced of that. Um, they might be right. They might be right. Um, but I, I, I gave you it. Know. I gave it a three. By the way, just so you know, I gave my confidence level that he's the quarterback of the future is a three. It's not a one. It's not a two because he's got talent. He's got a skill set that fits today's game. He actually has a skill set that fits the Kansas City offensive approach if that's what Eric Bieniemy's bringing here and he's got some weapons that can help make him look good here um but it's a 3 uh that's as high as I could go you know I agree with that I'd say a 3 would be accurate what I, what again would be frustrating for me as a fan is I mean this coach has mishandled the quarterback position from the day he's arrived and if they thought that Sam Howe really was the guy, they could have eased him in during the season. Of course. They didn't have to declare that he was going to be the you know, quarterback number one, I guess, you know, as a distract as a distraction, you know, from the Carson Wentz debacle. I guess, you know, you could argue they did it that's why they did it. Uh but they could have started Jacoby with the idea that at some point Sam Howe's gonna step in. 
something, which would have been better for him, better for everybody concerned. Yeah, I completely, um, I completely agree with that. I, I th- there is, uh, um, there is a lot of hoping, um, and even in Ron's first answer, uh, you know, when he says that this is the biggest question mark of the season, the quarterback, and has Sam Howell grown? I mean, he didn't make a statement in his answer. Everything was a question after saying, I think more than anything else, it starts with the quarterback position. Has Sam grown and developed enough to help us take the next step? But they don't know. They're hoping. They don't know for sure. Nor And and they shouldn't know for sure. If they knew for sure... They, he would have played before Wentz played. He would have yeah. played at the end of the season, or he certainly, and even if that's not the case, and maybe that's unfair because, you know, they were in a playoff hunt and he's a rookie and they may, they just wanted to put the veteran back in there. Um, but they certainly wouldn't have hesitated, which they did, before a meaningless season finale against the Cowboys. If they were sure yeah. that this guy's got it and that the, he, there's a really good chance. Um, then the, it, once they were eliminated, it would have been like, no, Sam's getting the start. We've seen him grow during the year. We've watched him in practice. You know, he's got a big gun. He can really make the throws. He's mobile. We want to see him in a real game, and he's going to start and play against the Cowboys so uh, we can start to evaluate Sam. But that's not what happened. They were unsure before that game, and there's no reason why that game should make them more sure. He was fine during the game. We've talked about this a million times. But there's nothing about that game that should have had them coming out of it saying, whoa, we got it. We found it. Yeah, He's the guy. No. 11 completions does not make in one game against a disinterested opponent, even though they had something to play for technically, um, does not make uh, you know somebody change their mind on a guy in one game. They don't know, I think, what we heard from Ron yesterday, and maybe we'll hear something different today and tomorrow. But I think the truth is they don't know, they're just hoping. Um, and the unknown right now is probably better than anything else because Jacoby Brissett, over a period of time, has proven to be a really good, high-quality backup quarterback. And he's not the answer long-term either. So let's hope that Sam is. But if Sam doesn't you know, keep pace with Brissett or exceed Brissett, um, and he falls way behind Brissett. Don't think that they're going to throw him in there against the Cardinals if he's just not ready, and the other guy is much more ready. I don't believe that at all. I think if we if they get to that point over the next month, Brissett will be in the starting lineup. So I've got Sam Howell being the long term answer at a three uh, on a scale of one to ten. Um, and I've got an 80% chance Sam Howell starts the opener, a 20% chance that Brissett starts the opener. You've got a three on Howell being the long term, and what's your percent breakdown on the starter for the opener? Well, when I've discussed Brissett being the starter, I've called it a long shot prediction. Yeah. So that would be basically quantify that. Uh, 80-20. Okay. So uh, I mean, I would say maybe God. 75-25 okay. Woo. would be the starter. Okay. Um, you got. Just... I mean, I've called it a long shot prediction all along. I know. 
I mean, these. I mean, yeah. it, you've couched it perfectly. You know, if he's not the starter, it was a long shot prediction. And if he is the starter, you can <laughs> you can dance around and sing about how right you were. Uh, you're you're brilliant that way. All right, uh, let's finish up the show uh, with a few things, including the movie that I went to the other night. It was a long one, Oppenheimer. Talk about that with Tommy when we return, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, Tommy, tell us about Shelley's. You know, Key West, uh, where I was for the heavyweight contest, used to be uh, one of the richest cities in all Florida. Yeah. Uh, in, in the early days of the history of the state. And we went to the Key West Museum while we were down there, and they had an exhibit about cigars, because uh, the manufacturing of cigars was the number one business in Key West in those days. Uh, and uh, they had some interesting stuff. You know, that just look, it, it was a museum, and in a way, I've always said Shelley's back room. It's kind of like a museum, sort of like like a, a, diff, a, new, a different Smithsonian in the sense that it's the only place 
in town where you can enjoy a quality drink and smoke a quality cigar at the same time. There's no other place in Washington where you can do that. Okay? And when you walk into Shelley's, uh, when you walk in the door, you'll see they have uh, cigar boxes yeah. on display, empty cigar boxes as a decorative thing. And cigar boxes are, right, are very decorative. Right. They're usually very colorful, you know, nice artwork and stuff. Well, I learned at the museum, before the Civil War, uh, cigars came in bundles. Okay? They didn't come in boxes. But they were so hard to keep track of and, and, and put taxes on, the government passed a law that required them to be packed in boxes. That's how cigar boxes came along. Why was it important uh, that they then, be packed in boxes? Well, so they could keep count of them. Oh, got it. Let's see, okay. Yeah, so yeah. they could count them for so tax So it was like purposes. cases, and yeah, okay. Yes, and then cigar boxes became this huge deal mm-hmm. and uh, became like an artistic expression, in a way, uh, of, of the cigar manufacturing business. Uh, that's, that's a nugget that you're not going to get anyplace else. So when you walk in the Shelley's and you see those cigar boxes, you can share with your friend, hey, this wasn't the, always the way they sold cigars. This is why they did it. This is the kind of information you get when you're, when you're talking to one of Shelley's favorite customers, Tom Lavero. Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street Northwest in the District. And Shelly'sBackroom.com for more information. The best uh, place to, to hang out. And Tommy didn't even touch on the menu today. But the menu, really good food. So today is the first day of practice at training camp. Tomorrow, first day for the fans to be out there. They put those bleachers out there, Tommy. Did you see those? Yeah, they look great. Yeah? That's cool. Um, I was told that... Uh, the, the plan was for bleachers long before the sale was finalized, in part because there was a chance they might get hard knocks. Um, so, you know, for those of you, including me, who tried to credit new ownership for taking care of the fans <laughs> at training camp, apparently that plan um, was already uh, in uh, in in planning, but uh, practice. By the time you listen to this podcast, the first practice will be over. Josh Harris is out at training camp as they are practicing here uh, this morning. As we are recording um, the podcast, they go in relatively healthy across the board for the most part. Uh, Deron Payne a little bit banged up, but nothing uh, serious. They added wide receiver Byron Pringle. Um, yesterday. Uh, that reunites Pringle with Eric Bieniemy. Pringle uh, spent his first three years with Kansas City um, with Bieniemy, uh as the OC there. He had 67 catches for 898 yards and seven touchdowns in 46 games uh, with the Chiefs. He was in Chicago last year, caught 10 balls for 135 yards. Let me just make sure that uh, you guys understand, this is my opinion, this is not just the adding of a training camp wide receiver. Byron Pringle has, you know, kind of like with with Marcus Kemp, he's got a history with Eric Bieniemy, um, and he has produced in this league enough to take him seriously heading into training camp as a potential 
uh, final receiver on the roster. We know it's McLaurin, Dotson, and Samuel. I would think Deami Brown, you know, is somewhat safe. And I think personally, Marcus Kemp, because of the size, um, is the Cam Sims replacement. But, you know, guys like Dax Milne and some others that are in there, uh, Kaz Allen, who we've liked as a potential return guy. Um, Pringle doesn't get added uh, just as another body. Doesn't mean he's going to stick, but it means that they, you know, think that he's got a chance to make this roster. And more importantly, he thinks and has been told he's got a chance to make this roster, or he would have signed a one year deal with someone else, more likely um, than not. Uh, but anyway, we are off and running. I, I can't wait for this upcoming season when we can start talking about games again. Um, but for the next few weeks, obviously, we will be talking about some of these training camp practices and following uh, the day-to-day for sure. So, Tommy, I did want to tell you, um, we did not I, – I think you had left uh, before I talked about quarterback, the Netflix uh, series. Did I talk to you about that or not? I forget. Yeah. Okay, I, I think you'd enjoy it. Um, everybody that listens to this podcast has thanked me uh, over the last week for recommending it. It's great. Kirk Cousins is the star of the show, believe it or not. Um, but that's good. But I did go see Oppenheimer on Monday night. Uh, and I was looking forward to going to see Oppenheimer. The tickets had been impossible the first couple of nights. Couldn't get any tickets unless you wanted to sit like in the first three rows. I can't sit in the first three rows of a movie theater. But I went the other night to see Oppenheimer, which for those of you that don't know, um, I mean, I don't know. I think the debut of uh, the opening weekend of Oppenheimer and Barbie, I think, was one of the biggest opening weekends for the movies ever. I think Oppenheimer may have broken records for the opening weekend um, for for a movie. But this is the, you know, this is the biographical uh, movie about the Manhattan Project, which was the development uh, and building of the atomic bomb out at Los Alamos in New Mexico um, with uh, Robert Oppenheimer, um, a physicist, a scientist, as the leader of that project. So I... I I talked about this a little bit on radio, and some people reached out and said, man, I liked it more than you did, Sheehan. Uh, I'd give it four stars on the five-star scale, maybe a four and a half. I've heard people say it's the best bio- biographical thriller ever. Um, I don't see that at all. Um, I mean, it's very long, Tommy. It's a three-hour movie. Now, it didn't feel that long, um, but it's still three hours. That's that's a long movie. Um, it was very well done. The acting was sensational. For me, and I have watched many a documentary on the Manhattan Project, I thought at times it was difficult to follow. Um, and that could have been me, um, but I know some of the names uh, in this uh, in this story. Uh, and I just didn't think that they did a great job necessarily sort of connecting and weaving the story together. Just my opinion. It may be one of those movies I'll see for a second time and I'll think completely differently about it. Um, but it, it was, it was good. It was really good. I'm not, it's not that I'm not recommending it, but I was not blown away like many other people have been. And I'm a Christopher Nolan fan. I loved Dunkirk. 
Um, I loved um, Insomnia. You know, thinking about some of the movies, The Dark Knight is it was a, was a Christopher Nolan movie. Inception was too. I, I'm not the biggest Inception guy uh, of all time, um, but uh, it's worth seeing. Is this on your list? I would think that this would be a movie that would be on your list. Yeah, it, it would be. I probably I won't get a chance to see it until it comes on television. Uh, have you ever seen Fat Man and Little Boy? No. What is that? It was what? a movie with. Paul, it was a movie made back in the eighties or nineties with Paul Newman, mm-hmm. and it's about the the Manhattan Project. Did not see uh, that. It got it got lukewarm reviews. Uh-huh. I liked it a lot. John Cusack is in it. Uh, I forget. The other people, Laura Dern is in it, uh, and I thought it was pretty well done. But it, it got is is it the story views. of Oppenheimer or not? It's yeah, it's it's a big part of it. It's, okay. it's, it's him and him and Graves. Yeah, him and General Graves. It's the story of those two. Gross, yeah. Uh, and John Cusack plays one of the scientists there. Uh, so I've learned a lot about it uh, from watching that movie, and I, I'd still recommend it to anyone who's seen Oppenheimer. Called Fat Man and Little Boy, uh, and Paul Newman plays General Graves. I guess Matt Damon does in Oppenheimer, Gro- right? Groves, yeah. Matt Damon, it's General Groves, Groves okay. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna check that out. I'm, I'm, I just hold on. You, you, you did mention it, okay? Uh, John Cusack, Laura Dern, Fred Thompson. <laughs> Is Fred Thompson still alive or not? No, he died. Right? Died, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I mean, Fred Thompson was in, God, it's, he was in the, he was in the, uh, in the Mel Gibson, um, Glover movies, right? Wasn't he? Or, was or, or am I thinking of Die Hard? What was, what was Fred Thompson in? Was he in Die Hard? He was in a lot no, of different Fred movies. Thompson was in a, he was in a lot of movies. Yeah. And he was a Watergate lawyer. I know. Fred Thompson I was know. A, a Watergate yeah, lawyer. Yeah, I, I, right, who in the 70s. an actor right. in a movie called Marie. And it was a true story based about the, the governor of Tennessee, who was a woman who under, uh, Marie something, who, under, un, who uncovered all kinds of corruption. And he had been, I guess, her, the lawyer in Tennessee helping her with this. And then he wound up acting in the movie. And that launched his whole career. Mm. Then he became a senator and ran for president. A he, hell of a life. Yeah. He. So I, I just pulled up his um, filmography. He, it was Die Hard Two that he was in. Um, that. that okay. And that was one of the first movies. But he was also in uh, that movie, the Clint Eastwood uh, in the Line of Fire, the Malkovich movie. He was in that. He played. Remember the White House Chief of Staff um, in that movie. He was. He was. He had a lot of those kinds of roles. Yeah. In movies, he died in 2015, um, and uh, yeah, all right. He was in Law and Order. He played a district attorney for a couple of seasons in Law and Order. Wow. All right. Anything else? We'll be together again on Friday, and then you begin your your you know half summer in Spain, um, which maybe you know we can arrange a couple of calls while you're away. Maybe you know. Uh, actually, I'm calling it my Danny decompression retreat. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, you're you're, you're so stressed um, with all the people you have to report to. Um, 
All right. Uh, good job. Great to have you back. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. I'll have somebody on the show tomorrow, and we'll certainly recap the first full day of training camp. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.